0: Full. Did you eat a lot over Thanksgiving?
1: I did. We um but we didn't have very traditional fare. But How we so? had like Thanksgiving fare. How so, so Nick um prepared a butternut squash roasted with uh he made one version that was turkey and one version that was tofu, uh with kind of like a crumble filling. And then some greens and some cranberries, and it was like all the Thanksgiving feelings. Uh, wrapped up more in kind of like a veggie forward dish
0: thanksgiving fusion
1: yeah thanksgiving vegan fusion nice how about you
0: you know i'm i'm not a huge eater in the sense that i will walk to the buffet style presentation and just like load a mountain of food on my plate Mm -hmm. i get what i like which is not very many things, yeah. As I'm sure you already know. I know these things. <laughs> uh, and I just, I'm, I'm happy with what I have. Should I feel that I don't know that I want more, I'll go back and get some.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm a turkey guy. I'm a mashed potatoes guy. Very. Um, I'm coming around to stuffing, which mm. is kind of blasphemous. I think it that is. If, if people learn that at one point I was not a stuffing person, they're like, there's something, something morally like wrong guy. with you. Yeah.
1: Um, Are you big on the desserts?
0: Um, not even, not, not like Dang. traditional desserts or anything like that. No,
1: uh-huh.
0: no, not really. And, um, but I, I'm definitely an outlier, um, within my family, I would say on both sides, uh, my, my family and my in-laws, um, I think everyone else has a much wider palate than I do, but I'm blessed because I do not feel the scathing judgment of, not loading my plate yeah. as others might be. Yeah, so that's
1: good.
0: It's full. It's a day of love and it's a day of thanks. So Yay. what more could you ask for?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: But um, we're here now, and uh, we're back at it. We're exactly um, back in the saddle, as they say. Um, you're listening to the Odyssey of Learning podcast. My name, as always, is Hunter, and I'm Courtney. And today, what we decided to talk about, you know, we're only we're only back for a couple of weeks before we return to our uh, break ways uh, we have three weeks in our school district for uh, for the holidays um, but something courtney and i have been talking about on and off as we started this podcast is you know we want to try to give especially those that are not familiar with our school directly are really sort of learning about what we're all about just by listening to each of these episodes Kind of giving maybe more uh, boots on the ground feel for what it's like to be an advisor at Odyssey, and I I don't think I speak for myself when I say that you know there's a ton of uniqueness about this place. Some things that are um, you know godsend in terms of what it gives us the capacity to do as advisors, and other things that I don't know if you feel the same way. It just still take it some time to adjust to.
1: Definitely, especially coming from um, attending a comprehensive public high school my whole life and then teaching in two before coming here. uh, We wear a lot of hats as advisors at Odyssey, and I think to delve into a week in the life, uh, as we've so aptly decided to call this episode, uh, will really give me a chance personally to kind of look back and reflect on all of the different facets of this powerful work that we do Uh, but would also give to anyone curious kind of an overview of how this ship sails um one thing that always fascinates me about education especially ed reform is um the application of really powerful and innovative theory in you know like you said truly boots on the ground context Uh, it's one thing to say we are a project-based school but it's another thing to look at what that looks like every single day from the perspective of an educator.
0: And I think you were implying earlier when you mentioned the fact that we do, yes, as educators wear many hats, that takes on a very uh, particular meaning with a brand new school. Definitely. A school that is looking to kind of create an identity for itself and, and continue to establish itself within the larger district community, within the larger surrounding community, and the people that live just on the other side of the, the fences of our school. yeah. Um, and it takes time, it takes patience, it takes a lot of different things that we'll, we'll talk about uh, this morning, but are you, uh, you ready to jump in here?
1: I'm super excited.
0: Let's do it. So every single day, our school is characterized um, very similarly, no matter what is going on that day, without fail, uh, we will meet as an, an entire staff, not by department, not by grade level. Um, everybody gets together roughly 10 after 8 uh, in the morning. And that is in contrast to our 8.50 start time. Um, and we do a number of things uh, with the uh, morning meeting. So what, what are some of the ways, Courtney, you would characterize these, uh, well, what we refer to as a standing meeting because
1: everybody's standing.
0: Um, what's going on
1: well we're standing yes correct well done. (laughs) Um, basically we we go to an empty classroom stand in a circle and it's kind of a chance to um, accomplish any tasks that require us to be face-to-face you know things that are a bit too complex to put into an email or a text message uh, but it really gives us a chance to tackle any problems that are that we're having, uh, whether it be like a struggle we're having with a particular scholar that maybe needs a little bit of extra attention or TLC, uh, or maybe it's a logistical feat. You know, we we heard that we're going to need to run this fire drill today. We need to talk through what those requirements look like and, and brush up on our safety plan. Um, and sometimes it's an opportunity for us to collaborate with advisors across contexts, across grade levels, uh, and really kind of find the similarities in our practice that, that drive our work forward. Um, so a chance to kind of recalibrate towards our values every morning to connect as people, as professionals, um, and as you know, colleagues with a vested interest in making the day the best it can possibly be. Um, so I think our morning meetings, if we tried to boil it down to one word um i don't even know if i could i know i was like that you set a pretty <laughs> high bar for yourself just there uh, i would maybe say uh can i do a hyphenated word
0: uh judges will allow it
1: yeah, yeah uh okay it's very tone setting with a hyphen okay. Okay. like it sets the tone for the rest of the day which sets the tone for the rest of the week which sets the tone for the year and having that consistency uh, every single morning, regardless of if we're distributing the PSAT, if it's a mentorship day, if it's going to be a particularly fun day or difficult day, uh, it really is grounding. Oh,
0: you literally, the last word was literally the word I was going to use. Really? Grounding. Yeah. That, that is exactly how I would choose to describe morning meeting, standing meeting. And but yes, to everything you just said, uh, especially in terms of tone and really helping us kind of collectively understand as a staff where we are at that temperature check kind of feel Yeah. for me, it is very grounding. I look forward to standing meeting because I know that if ever I have a question or a concern, I can go into that meeting, raise it, whether in the meeting or if we're running long and we got a break and I could go find the individuals that I need to talk to. I start my day on such a more firm, standing
1: yeah
0: and and having all of my questions or concerns at least you know out there so other people know it's a huge burden gets lifted i feel
1: yeah
0: uh from that and i know that there is you know there's always going to be some tension well like all right eight ten meeting that's kind of cutting into my prep time getting ready for the morning i think that there's always that sort of You know that voice in the back of our educator heads, how are we maximizing our time? Maybe there might be a day where standing meeting doesn't feel as useful to you as it does other days. Um, But the fact that it's all there and that we all as a staff honor it for what it is and what we're able to accomplish in just those 10, 15 minutes uh, is I think remarkable. And I think it's really important to getting ourselves set up uh, successfully yeah and I you know this is kind of where our schedules are going to diverge because immediately following standing meeting and as we start our day, you begin typically with content which we'll get into in a moment but I begin with advisory and I think that there are perks to each but let's just remind our listeners what advisory at Odyssey at least is. Um, this is a class that we have for 90 minutes 90 zero. 90 minutes a day. It is the same core scholars. Uh, I have right now, I think I got like 20, 21. 21. I think you might have 21. Um, and we, have been, we had them as freshmen, same exact kids that we have this year. And w- this is where we build our most strong relationships um, because we see them every day. They're, they're, they're our people. And I would say largely they would see us as the advisor as their person yeah. here on campus. Um, But what I so appreciate about having advisory immediately following standing meeting is that a lot of the stuff we talk about in standing meeting, I'm able to then immediately disseminate as necessary to my advisory. I see it as a natural transition to my school day, Um, in addition to all the other things we do in advisory, whether it is doing simple team building exercises, whether it is Uh, Going through activities that are designed to strengthen the culture of our campus, whether it is helping them build their projects and and help them manage their mentorships, or just kind of more like your traditional study hall where everyone's kind of working on their own content from either humanities, science, or math, um, environmental sustainability complex, whatever, and you being on hand as their advisor to assist them through that. Advisory is a multifaceted thing. Uh, a a, a, a place, yes, definitely many, many hats uh, involved in that, and uh, and so I appreciate that transition to standing meeting. Now Like I was implying earlier, advisory for me is in the morning. Um, my kids come in a little groggy. Sometimes takes a little, little waking up to kind of to get them going, but by the end of that ninety minutes, they're on their way to math and they're they're feeling pretty solid. I would be really curious to hear what your experience has been so far with advisory in the afternoon, the last block of the day.
1: Yeah, when I think about advisory, I feel like I'm I transition from um kind of the more traditional teacher role into almost a like a project manager or person, like a managerial headspace. Um, and so at the end of the day, similar to you how it's a nice ramp up to the day, for me it's kind of a nice um cool down to the day, like a reflective time. Uh, where scholars are able to really meet with each other and meet with me and discuss what their progress was throughout the day and um, set intentions and goals for, for the coming day. Um, and I, I agree that sometimes they can come in a little groggy because for different reason, Like they've had an entire day of academic rigor and then they come into advisory. So it really is a space where you have to be flexible with what sort of energy the scholars bring into the room, uh, but also managing all of the different logistical needs of the, of the class time, uh, you know, whether it be writing and reflecting on personal or professional goals, uh, or as you mentioned, anything having to do with mentorship prep or, or content from other, other courses, I find that it's a nice bookend to my day, uh, the same way it seems like it is a beginning of yours.
0: And, you know, I came from a school that also had advisory, but not for 90 minutes a day. It was for 45 minutes, and it was only one day a week. Oh, my God. So it was really interesting for me starting here at Odyssey when I compare my first school that I was at in San Diego um, to understanding the advisory in such a remarkably different way. I mean, you and I went to the Big Bang. Uh, big picture learning in Atlanta two summers ago um, to really ra- try to wrap our heads around what advisory is and what sort of role it would play here. And that entire time, I was like, "This is nothing like the advisory that I'm used to," uh, and I'm thankful for it. I'm I'm really thankful for this time with my with my kids with my scholars and just getting to know them even more. I mean, definitely, I feel the closest to them than I do most other uh, scholars on campus. It's
1: like a family. Yeah, it
0: very much is a family. That's not to say anything about my other scholars, but when you see the same kids 90 minutes a day, I mean, you know, that those are relationships. Those are powerful. So I, I really respect that space. Um, so I can hear people maybe asking, all right, well, Simmons, if you've got Uh, advisory in the morning and Courtney has advisory in the afternoon what exactly is the other person doing during advisory Uh, and the the simple answer to that is that we have our content courses so when I have um, advisory Courtney is welcoming her uh, content humanities uh, and this is where our schedule really starts to get tricky because sometimes they come in for three hours sometimes they come in for an hour and a half sometimes they come in but they don't really do humanities content directly, so I mean, this is—I think that this is a uh, tall order, Courtney. But I'm—I I think that you're—you're you're hip to the challenge. Can you try to possibly break down what this craziness really looks like? Is there any way we can simplify this for our audience, our content schedule?
1: I wish I could draw.
0: Right? Can <laughs> we somehow get I like know. a?
1: I feel like anytime we've tried to teach it to someone that was like, we're onboarding to Odyssey. We have to take up like four whiteboards to show the schedule because it changes every single day.
0: Here's what I'll do though. I will include a link in the description, in oh, the nice. podcast description. I will include a link to our bell schedule. I'm sure it's a file on Google somewhere. So we'll find it. be on the lookout for that, but give it your best shot, Courtney. What do All we right, got? here
1: we go. Uh, so Simmons and I will teach content on Mondays and Tuesdays for three hours to a different set of kids on each day. So on Monday, we're with an A group, and on Tuesday, we're with a B group. So for that block, we're with Humanities for three full hours. Then on Wednesday, we see both groups, but for 90 minutes.
0: Which equates to three hours.
1: Yeah, which equates to the same three-hour block of time, but it's split in half, and we see each group once. So we have a three-hour block for Humanities plus a 90-minute block on Wednesdays. Then on the other half of the week, on Thursday and Friday, we're with the kids for an hour and a half. We're with the kids for three hours.
0: Three hours in total, but
1: split into two 90 minute groups. Uh, But instead of leading humanities content, we're supporting environmental sustainability, complex content.
0: Led by the illustrious
1: Paul Paul (laughs) Hudak. We love Paul. Uh, But so during that time, we're, we're working on English language arts and historical skills uh, but in the direct complement to what they're doing in the environmental sustainability complex
0: that that was beautiful
1: thank you and on the days i'll just add on the days say monday tuesday when they're not with us in humanities are the days that they take a three hour block of stem with their science teacher gail or nicole right and so on say a monday is an a day group a is with us in humanities and group b would be with their science teacher in stem yes so it it really i mean it lends itself to being kind of like a i don't know what they call that a block schedule at a comprehensive high school Mm -hmm. um which is different you know instead of having eight periods you have four periods on monday four periods on tuesday uh but it fluctuates depending on the day so in all we have Four and a half hours of humanities content and five, six hours with the same group of kids every week. Roughly. Yeah, so it would break down to the same thing as having a a 55-minute class or a 60-minute class every day, five days a week. But instead, we, we have longer periods of time.
0: But just to clarify, technically speaking, we only see our scholars twice a week. In terms of like days they're in our class for ela social science skill specific work yeah which people freak out about
1: <laughs> i freaked out about it when i got hired
0: i mean three hours
1: i know it's like how three the heck? hours well four
0: and a half yeah broken up right for sure but even i mean i, I think that every advisor i mean maybe maybe i'm, I'm overstepping um, I'm, and again, the other thing that maybe we just don't even have the time to talk about, and I don't want to further confuse our listeners, math sees the kids every day.
1: Yeah, they have a 90-minute block For 90-minute
0: blocks. That, that fills in, if you had the 90-minute advisory, you've got the, in most cases, three-hour block of either STEM or humanities. Then you've got that another 90 minutes that's either right before lunch or right after lunch. They'll be in their math class across the board. We don't need to worry about that. Let's just focus on the fact that three hours, twice a week with two different groups, um, we see we see each group one time, and that was daunting, when when I first really tried to wrap my head around that, um, starting here at Odyssey, and very, I think almost naturally, I started to break those three hours down. You know, I, th- I think it's 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 natural for an educator to really start to kind of subdivide time in their minds as they're planning their lessons and okay. figuring how much time I'm gonna need for this, how much time am i gonna need for that. And and we don't see it per se as three hours of time that we have to fill. I mean, frankly, there's there's a lot of different ways that you can look at that block. Um, I think some advisors on campus feel comfortable seeing it as three sixty minute mini lessons or full lessons 60 minutes is a long time uh some see it as 90 and 90 others see 90 45 45 you know there's a lot of different ways you could break that down and in that sense the three hour block is actually very very flexible um and allows us to uh to to really get creative with the way we present content and the way that we're able to um at least formatively assess it uh, in class and in, in the moment. It's
1: very immersive.
0: And then even, I mean, in some cases, you, you might do a formative assessment and then address the assessment directly because you got the time, Yeah. right? So if they're doing this quick right, all right, well, let's let's pull it back. Let's take a look at what you've done and let's go from here. Like, what, what can we learn uh, from from what you've written? And and there's a lot of time that's built in. Um, we do have, as, as we mentioned, we have an additional 90 minutes that we see them for midweek on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. typically. And, um, and, and I don't know, I, I think I'm just going to speak candidly um, from my own perspective. I definitely see that Wednesday 90-minute section, not only as an opportunity to clean up maybe what we didn't want, didn't manage to get to, um, but wanted to address on Wednesday, but then also setting some time aside, you know, because we see them that Wednesday and then I'm not going to see them again for another five or six days, right? moving forward so really setting the pace and the tone for what i would expect from them as their advisor towards the end of that that 90 minute chunk but again the beauty that is afforded this system is that the advisors i have found have used this time in remarkably different ways and i don't think that there's any one right way uh, to use that amount of time do you find courtney that you have a a formula that you tend to lean towards in in utilizing that time best? Or is it just kind of a hodgepodge, this is what we're doing this week, so let's work this way.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of depends for me on what the needs are of the scholars that week and what sort of um, trajectory we have set for ourselves in the humanities course. Um, So probably more often than not, I do a 45 minute block, a 90 minute block, and a 45 minute block. So I split the 45 on either side and um, really do work during that time, like you said, to, to build in a lot of formative assessment and build in a lot of meaningful collaboration um, to work on developing a lot of the skills that are necessary for independent work that comes uh, in higher education, especially, um, and, and really trying to help build um, good work habits and observing them in the moment in class and addressing them uh, serves as a really powerful formative assessment and an opportunity to grow and learn for for our scholars. Um, it also gives me a lot of opportunities to float around and kind of address one-on-one needs or small group needs, workshop model needs. Uh, it really does allow us the space to live our values in the classroom every single time we have content days, uh, which I appreciate.
0: And I think another thing we have, something we have talked about on previous episodes of the podcast is our use of the workshop model. If you if you do take that traditional you know kind of fifty five minute a day model, um, you you get a little bit of direct instruction in there. You can build in plenty of exercises that rely on either kind of group work or individual work. But then beyond that, the bell rings. You got to move on and, and maybe try to clean up with what you didn't get to the following day. But with this, this idea of the workshop model, where we can use that traditional 55-minute block to do those things, and then break off and give scholars the opportunity to really focus in on specific skills, um, areas of growth that they, either they have identified or we as their advisor have identified, and then have the time in class to really have that direct intervention is so valuable to a lot of the work that we do at Odyssey. So yes, three hours sounds very daunting. But at the end of the day, pretty I, I pretty welcome, pretty welcome uh, time that we have here. Sometimes
1: it feels too short.
0: It's, it's, it, it's, it just takes getting used to, yeah. like everything. It's
1: all about perspective. Um,
0: and speaking of uh, getting used to, uh, you had mentioned a little earlier, Courtney, going back to the environmental sustainability complex. That's 10th grade specific. We have a similar program in place in the 9th grade. That's the Idea Lab. They, they run the same idea in terms of balancing time between their content courses and then this um, sort of um, foundational learning experience that all of us advisors are working off of. Um, We have a unique relationship with Paul and everything that we do. You talked about focusing on skills that are necessary for ELA and social science, but also are being applied very actively to the environmental sustainability complex. Can you maybe think of an example that you would like to share of either something we're doing right now or something we've done in the past of how specifically we support Paul and his work?
1: Yeah, you know, our role in um, as the ELA advisors is really to act as kind of uh, liaisons or consultants to English language arts skills. I like that. Yeah, I know it sounds really official. That's great. <laughs> um, but to act as as a support, right, for for the scholars when they when they really need to access the reading and the writing and the critical thinking skills that that lend themselves so powerfully to ELA. Um, so two little vignettes kind of come to mind. Uh, the first is. We, we will support the IDEA Lab uh, last year, and we'll support the, the Environmental Sustainability Complex this year by providing our scholars a space to deeply read uh, an article or a, you know, a document or an instruction manual that, that allows them to be more successful in that space. So I think back to when we read about how to safely harvest food without contaminating it um, and that was a reading exercise we did in the ELA classroom, uh, kind of getting to the bottom of, of trying to understand this guide, posing questions, looking up vocabulary words, adding additional research and, and really trying to get a, a complex understanding of this concept of harvesting food safely.
0: And I will be the first to say that that sounded so boring to me when it was first announced. I but know, but then, they got so
1: excited. I know. And
0: then going through, actually going through the work with them. because I some, And maybe you feel the same way. Sometimes I feel like I'm learning alongside the kids. Oh, me too. Every day. The, the kind of content that Paul is sending our way, I'm like, I did not know that things were this complex or that, you know, there's, there's the magnificence of growing and, and everything that's going on. I mean, I learned, I learned so much. So Same. it was very valuable in that sense too.
1: Yeah. And, and, and to really give them a space to attack a text, um, so academically led them to leave the room, you know, after working with us to go into that space with Paul, uh, highly educated and knowledgeable and, and thinking critically about how to apply this new knowledge. Um, so that's one thing we do. Uh, and then another is that we'll, we'll work with them to document their learning in the ESC, uh, through the creation of zines, zine entries. And so we have these bi-weekly, uh, essentially like a magazine, uh, where the scholars submit anything from, you know, op-eds that they're writing about what they're learning or a photo gallery or an art project or song lyrics or recipes, uh, using organic matter, And, uh, you know, in the ELA role, we're able to help refine those products to reflect highly professional and academic and creative decisions that, um, the scholars use to document their thinking.
0: Love the zine. Yeah, Super cool to see, uh, the just utter creativity and imaginative power. That, uh, that our kids possess here. It's, it's awesome. super great. We don't have a ton of time because as we've mentioned, we try to keep these kind of within that half hour block and maybe we'll go a little bit over today, but I think we can get to this our final are bit. Are long. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about for sure, but I, I think that we could get to this final bit about the fact that during mentorship season, which we are in, we're getting ready to finish up as we speak, everything we just told you about the schedule, just throw it out the window. Just I'll get rid of though. it just nothing it's it's wonderland nothing makes sense anymore it kind of does but um our our schedule shifts in a pretty radical way uh the first being quite and quite obviously we don't have our kids here on tuesdays and thursdays because they're out doing their mentorship work so i think we could talk briefly about the two different things that happen from that as a result of the kids being gone on tuesdays and thursdays our work has to be shifted and compacted into a Monday, Wednesday, Friday framework. We don't sacrifice time. Instead, what we do is we just draw out our classes across the days that we do have. So for example, yesterday, uh, as, as we're recording this, yesterday was a Monday day. It was Monday, December 2nd, but we were on a Friday schedule. Tomorrow, Wednesday, if you go back to the normal schedule we will be on a monday schedule so we see these days being drawn out and simply for the fact that we don't want to disrupt the time itself that we're giving to the scholars and their learning and we we look at their learning as a whole year-long process they're not in mentorships for the entire year it's just 12 weeks so we don't want to disrupt that order but even that can get tricky because sometimes we go I don't know, eight, nine, 10 days without seeing um, our scholars for content. And and that can also be pretty, um, I would say, maybe a little unsettling as an educator because then you have to really think like, all right, if I'm not gonna see these kids again, we, we need these to do- These three hours have
1: got to be tight. Yeah,
0: we got, we got to get everything in and we got to make sure that we're managing it. I mean, granted, there is some flexibility where other advisors have been accommodating, and if we need to pull a kid or two, or we just need to kind of reshuffle some things, it it happens. That's that's totally um th- that that works. But yeah, our our schedule just gets blown up in the air uh completely, and then that then begs the question. Okay, well, if you don't have kids on Tuesday or Thursday, what? on earth are you doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays? So why don't you share It's another a bit. hat. It's another hat. Tell us about the hat.
1: Yeah, so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is happening right now, uh, we are out in the field visiting our scholars that are at mentorships. And we're acting as kind of a go-between between the school and the mentor uh, and the scholar to create the most optimal learning experience for them possible. And uh, these meetings consist of creating and reviewing goals with the scholar, like personal or professional goals that they're working on. Uh, and it also consists of helping support their project management process, um, because many of our scholars are, are working on projects that are so large-scaled that it's really difficult to, to manage the, the, the workload without a little bit of structure and support from your advisor and from your mentor. So. Going out into the field, it gives us a chance to, to really see you know, on the ground what are our scholars doing when they're not at school? How can we document what they're doing and assess it? right? Because the learning that they do at their mentorship is still part of their academic portfolio here at Odyssey. So it really gives us a chance to see what they're up to, how they're growing, how they're learning, and uh, set, set plans for what's next for them in that, in that process.
0: And we have to date done a couple of episodes on mentorships. So rather than going into uh, a huge amount of detail here, I will direct your attention both to episodes 8 and 11. Uh, that's We have two parts out so far on mentorships. Uh, I especially love episode 11. We get to talk to – that was a great conversation we had with Gavin uh, about his experiences uh, with, with mentorships and uh and just to get maybe a better feel for what those visits uh really constitute that we do on on tuesdays and thursdays um there's a lot going on
1: this is every week
0: this is every single week and i i remember thinking there was a certain level of um anxiety that was really characteristic of our first few months here at odyssey and it was certainly myself um, I'd say everyone, to an extent, got pretty um, stressed with this because it's not—it's not what we know. And and how many times in life do we learn that when we're faced with the unknown or we're faced with something unfamiliar, we have this sort of initial gut instinct Resistance. to resist it and be like, no, like no thanks, this is uh, this is a little too wacky for me, but. As time goes on, as we really settled in, I think that we have started to really take advantage of the time that we do have, um, utilizing it effectively, and leading our kids to have some pretty wonderful learning experiences the whole way. And that would not be possible um, if it weren't for the advisors being flexible and being accommodating, understanding that there are a bevy of things that happen at the school beyond uh, fire drills, beyond mentorships, beyond late start days, which we didn't even talk about in this episode, but um, so many you know, curveballs left and right. The more flexible and the more accommodating you can be, I think you can manage your, your sanity a little more. I'll, I'll let you share some final thoughts on that as well.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing I've learned in the last two and a half years of working at this school has been how valuable it is to remove my ego from my work Mm. um i think that a lot of my initial hesitation with this model stemmed from feeling like i wouldn't get enough time to do what i felt was necessary and by being open-minded to this new approach to using time using a school day um has really allowed me to think more critically about what kids need to be successful and what kids need to be in a place academically and personally and emotionally where they're provided an opportunity to truly grow. And when I'm able to remove what I think is best (laughs) and what I think is right, uh, and really focus on what's gonna serve the young people that we work for and with in the most optimal way, uh, the flexibility and the accommodation come easily for me.
0: It's a very selfless. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Some yeah. days are
1: not so pretty.
0: <laughs> but we make we make it happen. We make it happen. We make it work every day is a new day and ultimately uh, we're pretty happy to be here.
1: I love being here. It's
0: good. it's a pretty fantastic place. Okay. Thank you for sticking with us. I know we went long a little bit today, uh, but we'll we'll let you go now, and we're looking forward. I think we can get one more out before the holidays, probably. We're going to do it. We're going to make it happen. We're
1: going to make it happen. So
0: until then, my name is Hunter. And I'm Courtney. This has been the Odyssey of Learning podcast.
1: Yay, have a good one. See you
0: guys.